Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you click download and then play, then I've got to say thank you for helping get this personal project of mine off the ground and into somebody's ears. But in case you're new or in case you just stumbled upon this and you have no idea what you're listening to, you're listening to On Deck with Stan C. I'm Stan C. And I've been in radio for the last 10 years of my life. That's one third of my life because I turned 30 last February. I started off as a student DJ at Mellow 94.7, where I spent almost seven years in the pop format. Today, I am one of the hosts of The Morning Takeover, which is the sign-on drive time show of Wave 89.1, the only hip-hop and R&B radio station here in Metro Manila. On Deck is a podcast about radio personalities. And podcasts have been a great format over the years to tell people stories to get into their journeys, to get them to reflect and share their insights. And through all of my podcast listening, I haven't really heard a podcast that put the spotlight on radio DJs. And I've been in love with this industry for about as long as I can remember. So I figured if nobody was going to do it, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk to people, talk to the people behind the mics and pull the curtain back on the radio industry. Because for all of our openness about everything we like and love or dislike, and hate, the radio industry is also one of the more closed-off and secretive industries in all of entertainment. But the radio industry today is much different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And now is as good a time as any to just pull the curtain back and tell people stories, because why not? So that's what this podcast is all about. On Deck is the story of the radio broadcaster, past or present. It's also a place for radio DJs to just reflect on everything they've learned throughout their time in the industry. And for me, well, I get to learn off of other people's insights, which is always a treat whenever I get to talk to people. So that's what this podcast is all about. It's a personal project that I'm just happy to get off the ground and into your ears. And and frankly, I really could not have done it if my good friend and fellow podcaster Chino Liao didn't start his own podcast You see, we're co-hosts of the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast, The Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, which is also on Podcast Network Asia. But sometime through this pandemic, this ECQ period, he decided to launch his own podcast, and it's called The Class Clown. You might want to check it out. He sits down with professionals from various fields to gain a little more insight into the world we live in today. Accompanied by other fellow stand-up comedians, he gets into so many different topics and, well, because he's a stand-up comedian, the jokes are aplenty. So there, that's my plug for another podcast here on Podcast Network Asia. And uh, you might want to check out the podcast we host as well. Again, it's called The Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. But if you want to keep hearing this one, then, well, brace yourself, strap on those seatbelts, and be prepared because I'm about to take you through a journey 
through the theater of the mind. And by the end of it, I hope to have earned the privilege of your time. My name is Stan C., and here is who's on deck for this episode. My first guest is one of my best friends in the radio industry. He is a second-generation radio DJ, the son of Jeremiah Jr. and Lindy, both formerly of 99.5 RT. He's also the former co-host and the brother of Inka Magnaye, who you probably know now from all those viral videos of her voiceover work for Philippine Airlines and other clients. She also used to be a DJ at 99.5 RT and Play FM. You can hear my first guest Every day from 6 to 9 p.m. on The Home Run with Margot and Gabe on 99.5 Play FM. He's also a dubber, a voice actor. I think he still hosts events sometimes, but I do know he's a podcaster. And he talks about movies as well on his podcast, Something Something, alongside our mutual friend, Poch Estrada. So it's time to bring in my first guest because he's on deck. It's Renzo Magnaia of 99.5 Play FM. I'm going to start with some foreplay here. I don't want to just rush in raw and everything. So I got to ask do. you, how yeah. have you been throughout the pandemic? I mean, tonight, notwithstanding, how have you right. been keeping yourself uh, sane? Well, I haven't worn pants in like two months. So that's like, that's that's kind of fun. And I bet you, Stan, you're not wearing pants yourself. But uh, you're not. <laughs> see, I've come, to, I've come to realize yung boxers over briefs argument. Now I'm becoming <laughs> a believer. That's something I've discovered throughout the lockdown. It's like mini shorts. It's comfortable. It works and stuff. And you don't you don't look too indecent at home. But that's that's basically. I mean, Anubaba, uh, like freelancers in our time, man. Especially now, we're we're hustling extra hard at the same time, trying to be careful. And I know a lot of other radio personalities then have been trying to look for other forms of work while you know radio's taking a bit of a break right now. And so it's been, you know, people would think it's it's a lot of at home quarantine and not really doing anything. But no, we're all the more we're going out there and looking for stuff to do and looking for work to to finish because we still got bills to pay, man. What's been keeping you busy? Like, you know, sabi mo, uh, radio's taking a break. The network yeah. we're part of hasn't really been uh, letting us go on air. So uh, the music has been operational, you know, right. as far as our stations are concerned. But like neither you nor I have had a live broadcast in quite some time. So oh, yeah, yeah. what else have you been up to? Uh, well, now that I said work, I guess it'll seem hypocritical for me to say it's video games all the time, but that, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. And of course, you know, during the day looking for work and doing VO gigs, cause you know, on the side I, I do voiceover work and it's really just all about that. Trying to stay sane and trying to stay productive and trying to provide for, for the people around you. That's basically been it. Yeah, it's kind of hard to keep yourself sane, especially with everything going on. You know, we started off talking about the situation with ABS-CBN, and now just just the fact that I are going stir crazy. Um, it, it's really hard to just keep your head above water. And yeah, I've been at home since three sixteen day March sixteen. So in oh, like a week or so, two months na ako nasa bahay, and I think for all of us, this is the longest we've spent behind closed doors. But it could be ano, it could be designated. Tagapunta ng grocery or like tagapunta no, ng hindi ka okay okay because at least I have that title in that house so at least I get to see some of the outside world sometimes Dude, have you so you haven't been outside anywhere no wala wala well, I I wait, you gotta wait like an hour before you get inside any grocery and you know there are very special rules for how much you can buy and and I'm also proud to see that you know Filipinos like everyday Filipinos are taking this seriously like you know people are being extra careful. They are social distancing and establishments are implementing it pretty 
well and heavily. So at least I'm I'm relieved to to feel that. But dude, two months at home, how are you doing? I feel like I should be interviewing you, man. <laughs> yeah, I've been keeping saying through podcasts. You know, uh, the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, another one of our right. podcasts on Podcast Network Asia. That's kept me sane. Uh, mm-hmm. Watching Community on Netflix and then Survivor. That's kept me sane. We've been watching the same stuff. That's true. Yeah, I've been rewatching Community. I just got on Survivor because a couple of my friends told me to watch Cagayan. And I went immediately to you after I finished it because I know you're like the biggest Survivor fan uh, from my friends. And so it's it'd be, a, it'd be a disgrace if I didn't go to you. So that's what you've been doing, Matt, to keep saying? Yeah, to keep saying, I unretired from NBA 2K for whatever that's worth. So, <laughs> yung, yung my player, ko ko na yung rating, like I smashed Kobe Bryant's 81 point record last night. There you so go. I, yeah. So, making big uh, moves. Yeah, that's the extent of um, yung, yung productivity. I mean, I, I'd like to say I tried picking up new skills, but instead I started a new podcast instead. Oh, you should be proud of me, dude. I've been watching The Last Dance. That is a good, that is a good series. My goodness, yeah. like I feel like a little kid again watching Michael Jordan and then, you know, getting more in-depth about Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. I'm just like, ah, I'm, I'm like eight years old again watching all this stuff on the VHS, but it's so cool. If there's anything I miss about radio, it's the music. And now that I work at a hip-hop station in Wave, hip-hop tracks from like the 90s, like uh, yet this week's episode had Hip-Hop Hooray and then Rosa yeah. Parks by Outkast. I was like, Tribe Called Quest also. So I miss to just, you know, play the music, be in a booth, to to talk to people, kahit na wala naman wala namang nasarap mo, and yeah. just coming up with all these crazy fun segues, sometimes with the nihilistic humor that you like to put in on air. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true because you know DJs are programmed and wired to face every day having to put on a show and to prepare a show and to and to put out content and to sprinkle mediocrity like simple ad libs with you know a flair and a showmanship that can capture an audience in 15 seconds. So like the fact that we have to like put a break on that and you know, we've just been at home and on a slower pace. It's, it's been a, it's been a tough adjustment process. I feel like I haven't, like I had to practice speaking before I got on here. Cause I, I feel like I haven't had to talk this much in like a while. And so I had to kind of brush up or else I was going to be like bull all over the place. Uh, I mean, like I, I'd like to think that, especially in a medium like this, we're, we're going very meta, how very community of us, but like right. when it comes to podcasting, these are as fine-tuned as radio, right? Like yeah. in radio, you have to really be composed, and everything has to be perfect. Yeah, and but tight. for a podcast, it's not as strict. Yeah. Right? So, which is why I, I think it's the perfect time to do this because this is basically what we sound like when we're talking shop, like outside of podcast world, anyway. Yeah, basically when the mics are off, right? Yeah. All right, so uh, let let's start here with uh, with your radio story. I felt like foreplay went way too long. <laughs> We're gonna dive right in. Um, let, let's start at the beginning, as uh, Jessica Jones likes to say. Mm-hmm. So, how did your radio journey begin? Where did this all start for you? Uh, well, I think it was when um, my parents met in radio, uh, and then skipping all the gory and disgusting details, two kids <laughs> later, I came about as the third child. But uh, yeah, I mean that was that was my childhood, man. Like my my father, Jeremiah Jr., a radio personality. In the 80s and still currently now he also still boards for fm2 and my mother as well lindy she was a dj for the ogk light um also for the ogrt and even for wave for like a long time she hosted the uh, the soul review for quite some time and so you know i've 
these places that we go to for work, like Paragon or Strata or all these places, like these are places from my childhood. Like I, I fondly remember, you know, have, like going with my dad to, to his Saturday countdown show and discovering all this new pop music while I'm waiting outside, just minding my own business while he does the show. And I think that's also like one of the reasons how, like one of the ways I got introduced to so much great music at an early age, just being around my parents and visiting them at work, which is basically going to the same radio booth that I work in now. So it's uh, it's pretty crazy. You'd think I'd be sick of it by now, but it's, it's, it's a good feeling. It's nice. It feels like I belong. Have you ever felt like there's a very strong possibility that I could have been formed in any of these couches? Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. But then I'm pretty sure, have I asked, have, I, have my parents talked to me about that? I don't know. But I just remember that, you know, my dad would, uh, would, because my, my mom was my dad's newscaster for their show. Okay. So, so like, OGRT? Yeah, OGRT, like OG days, the way you'd have like a newscaster reading out for you. And it would just be, that would be like the dynamic, the DJ and the newscaster. And so my dad was the DJ, my mom was a newscaster, and my dad would make my mom laugh. And here we are. You know, One thing led many, to another. <laughs> yeah, many years later. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. And uh, there's, along with it, there's a lot of pressures. And along with it, there's a lot of pressure that's, you know, taken off me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been overall positive. Nothing, nothing to complain about. So what's it like growing up in a household with two DJs? Uh, a lot of English speaking. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, my, my dad is also a super talented Tagalog voice actor, and he speaks Tagalog very well. And my mother as well is very, very intense Bisaya speaker because she is from Cebu. Uh, okay. And so they're, they're, it's not like it was purely English at home. I think it, we just, we grew up with a, I wouldn't say a natural sense because, you know, it was really, we were exposed to it and it was taught to us. Um, and we learned by example, we got to watch our parents do their thing and they were good at it. Like, I mean, they are really, really good at it. And they taught us so many things about radio before we even had to learn anything about radio. And so it really helped a lot later on in my career. Would you say that there's osmosis that Like, you know, uh, there's the innate skill, the innate talent, and then right. this, um, uh, the, the fluence, fluency in English from your parents. Does that just get passed on via osmosis just because you're exposed to them day in, day out? Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, I remember childhood, you know, my dad is a very animated person and he takes every opportunity to turn whatever mundane household activity into something grandiose with his voice. And, you know, I remember that being an occasional bit that he would do. Uh, and we were just like, I guess the natural showmanship that I talked about a while ago and the natural energy that comes with being a radio DJ. That was so that was such a big part of our childhood growing up. And. And it was thanks to our parents being so animated and being very open with their voice acting and their radio careers. So it really did pass down to us because, you know, kids, if they do anything well, it's they, they imitate their parents very well. And so thankfully, we got to imitate them in, in, in ways that would be useful later on. <laughs> any first memories of being inside a radio station or like watching your parents at work? Are there any that uh, come to mind? Oh, yeah, for sure. The very first time I heard Black Eyed Peas. Uh, what song was that? Where is the love? Was new. Uh -huh. uh, and it, I think it was a new entry, or it was like number one. Uh, uh, RT Forty, which is the countdown that my dad hosted way back. And I remember hearing that song and just eating a big bag of sun chips because apparently, like sun chips were a thing back then. Not sure if they are now, but 
um, yeah, I mean, that was probably the earliest memory I have uh, hanging outside of a radio booth, which is the same booth that Play is in right now. So, you know, it's a booth that I'm very familiar with in an office I'm very familiar with. But my earliest memories really are just, number one, hearing all these great new songs. Number two, hearing my parents sound amazing on air. But the thing is, like, I didn't know that's what amazing sounded like. You know, to me, that was just them doing work. Like, I had no comparison or metric to what sounded bad or what sounded mediocre. All I knew was, you know, my parents did this for work and they sounded really good. And so I guess that's what they did. Um, and also, number three, meeting a lot of my parents' really animated and energetic radio coworkers who, you know, are still my titos and titas up until now. And some of them are also still working in radio. Some of them I ended up working for later on in my radio career. So it's... um. It was a life that I was introduced to from a very young age, and I'm very happy that I pursued it. You know, at a, at a much at a much later age. Uh, you have two sisters, Seba, so there's three of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was there any pressure from your parents? Now, oh, you have to follow in our footsteps. You have to be a voice actor. You have to be a radio personality. You have to speak English really, really well, or else we're gonna disown you or something. Um, actually, my 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 parents, their, their fault was that they were too lax. Like they were very, very you know, they were, they were very lenient and they never really put pressure on us to do a specific or particular kind of thing. They were very much whatever makes you happy kind of people. Um, but there was, I mean, whenever we would play around with the idea or whenever we would show interest in radio, it was obviously something that they would entertain. Uh, but we never felt like we had to or else we would disappoint them. We never felt like if we weren't a certain way, um, we would disappoint them because, you know, me and my sister Inca, like we were in radio, uh, but, but my sister Medina, she's a visual artist and a, uh, a teacher. And so, you know, it's, it's very, very different paths for both of us. But at the same time, I think what was greatly instilled in us from a very young age, wasn't that we had to be radio DJs or had to be voice actors, but that we had to cultivate that creative side. So whether it through voice acting, whether it be through drawing like my sister, or whether it be through, you know, making skits and movies like I did when I was younger, we 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 were always heavily encouraged to to flourish in the arts, and so I've I've always appreciated that. What were your first memories of uh, being a radio booth then, or like being in front of the mic? Were you one of those kids na anak ng voice actor na dinadala sa studio and then bata palang may racket na? Uh, yeah, no, because my parents, you know, aside from doing radio, my dad also owned. Um, he started his own audio production house way, way, way back. And so not only was he doing radio, both him and my mom, they were also producing radio commercials, TV commercials, voice acting for things and, and organizing all these advertising things that obviously like, for example, if studio and they needed like a kid to laugh, they would yeah. bring me in and have my older sister tickle me in front of the microphone. You know what I mean? Like, so it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was these small things. I wouldn't, do I count that as a racket? I guess I would count that as a racket. Um, I mean, it's a professional thing, right? Like that's true. you probably got paid, uh, paid for it, but I would get like free meals from my parents or like, you know, just this and that because, um, but yeah, I mean, but that's also how I started in voice acting pretty early because we were exposed to that from a pretty young age. And a lot of the time we would go to the production house after school and, you know, standing around my dad would just be like can you record this for me or like my mom would be like oh we need you for this and you know and we tried out and have so much fun as a kid like voice acting is like seems like such a fun job and it really is and so uh, we were blessed in that way and we got to work in that sense too 
So uh, you said there wasn't really any pressure for you to get into radio. So yeah. uh, when did you decide, na, all right, I want to follow in my parents' footsteps. I want to get inside the, uh, the radio station, work behind the booth, and actually pursue this as a career. Like, what, uh, what was the point na you decided to just go and do it? Oh, okay. Um, well, it was around shortly after I had graduated through uh, DepEd's ALS program. So... Uh, I didn't get to finish high school for for financial complications, and so I had to find a way to finish high school myself. And you know, with the help of my parents, we got through this debt ed system that was free, and I got to graduate, got my diploma. But um, college was out of the question because you know it was expensive, and and I figured that I'd be making a better use of my time if I just started looking for work. And I only knew really how to do voice acting and and to be wacky and ridiculous on camera, but I'd never actually done it for more than maybe just a few people on YouTube uh, past that. And so the idea of radio had always been in the back of my mind, um, but then it's never something that I fully, fully entertained until my sister one day, I think it was like 2013, told me that, oh, you know, RT is planning to reformat and and they want to look for, for new talent and they're holding auditions. So why don't you audition, just see how it goes and and give it a shot. And I, you know, I, I said no at first. I, I didn't want to get into radio, not because you know I, I didn't like radio, just because I didn't think I would fit in. I was nervous, and I had, you know, I had very, very big stage fright in that sense. But, um, you know, they pushed me, uh, not in a bad way, of course. They were just like, just give it a shot to see how it would go. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, so yeah, that's when I decided to audition. What was the reaction when you came in? Uh, oh wow, kapatid uh, Inca or anak ni Jeremiah Jr. Like, was that uh, was that tagged there? Um, did, did you have a target on your back just because you were who you were? Uh, target like in a good way or in a bad way? Um, I would say it's ambiguous. You know, just, just more people looking in your direction or paying extra attention to your every move just because you're who you are. Right. Well, I, at that point. It was really just my sister who was still in radio. At that point, my dad had already uh, left radio and was taking a bit of a break. And my mom as well had been finished with radio, if I'm not mistaken. And so my sister was really the only person left in in RT slash play that I knew. And so there was not as much of a big pressure to be working or auditioning in the shadows of anybody. Um, and considering the fact that it's new management and new people are handling things, I you know, some of that pressure was lifted off me, but it, it happens every time. Like every time I walk into, you know, uh, every time I walked into Play FM's office or RT's office, the higher ups would always greet me with a smile because they already know who I am. And um, of course, there was some awkwardness to it. There was pressure to perform really well, but at the same time, I prepared like a lot for the audition. Like I would sometimes spend um, an hour just alone by myself. Uh, practicing ad-libs like outros extras to songs intros to songs and i would do this like periodically growing up because i just thought it was fun and i wanted to see if i could do it yeah. uh so to be able to actually do it for an audition was pretty fun um what did i do for my audition i don't even remember i think i i think i like i extroed like i think i extroed a song and they had me talk about a short little something and i'm pretty sure i blew it but then i think they liked the sound of my voice and they they saw me as trainable which is really like how anybody starts in radio. Like nobody starts, for those people watching, nobody starts radio like you're amazing already and you know what to do and the timing of everything. You know, your voice can sound good and your 
personality can be good, but there's so much training left to be done. And so that's, what, that's when they decided to train me. Yeah, let's talk about the training. Because yeah. when you came in, you knew transition point between the old RT and what we now know as Play FM. Right, right. So who were your trainers and how did they train you? Was it the strict old school, what they like to say, old school type of training? Or was it uh, a different, more laid back, more lenient style? Oh, no. I mean, my parents would tell me about the old school style of training. It would be pretty, it would be pretty rough. Like you'd have to repeat the name of your station over and over again until you got it right. And there, if there was like no room for error because if there's anything you say correctly, it has to be the name of your station. So I remember there was a lot of that. But my training, which was under Jing Hamlang, who is, uh, was a former Play FM DJ and is now, I believe, a uh, sports commentator for ABS, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he calls football matches. Uh, he was my trainer and he uh, took me under his wing. So I was basically like co-hosting his show. I was boarding for him. I would look for his uh, for some of his material for his segments. And all the while, he would basically just let me run the show. Basically, I would decide when to turn on the microphone. He would just give me cues and I would decide what to play. And yeah, all my training was under him. And I got to say, like, it, it was it was fantastic training. Like it prepared me for a lot. He gave me such useful tips that I still use up until now. And I really would not be the DJ I am now if it weren't for him. He put me through, you know, training that wasn't strict at all, but it was stressful, like in a good way. Like there, you can be strict, you can be, uh, uh, sorry, you, you, you can be rigorous and, and focused and those two things, but without being strict or without being a monster, you know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of these days, you know, people take rough and strict training to mean you have to be a tyrant to your employees, which is like not the case at all. Like you can give someone a high, high stress situation and just approach it calmly. And then the person will learn. Like, like for example, um, Jing wouldn't allow me to set up the next segment. So for example, talk segment. Yeah. So my elements you know, leading up to the background music, which is, which we call the bed and you know, the next song as well. And I'll have to know how many songs the next song will be introed in so I can talk over it and I can segue him out of his segment. He would not let me prepare for any of that on the board until about 10 seconds left. Okay. So like that was one of like his ways to really prepare me and to, to, to make sure I knew what I was doing. And, and when yes, you're a young they, kid, when you're a rookie, just trying to learn the ropes, you having 10 seconds or five seconds long in a window to prepare for whatever you have to say next, that shit is nerve wracking. It is, it is. But for us, you and me now, that's sometimes that, that, that happens if we're like checking Facebook or checking news bits. That's what happened. I never loads the next song. And then we look and we're like five seconds left. Oh, whoops. You just loaded up. So now it's like no big deal to us. But back then, I mean, any trainer, I'm pretty sure at some point for you, it was, it was terrifying, man. Uh, and also, yes, Chino, thank you so much. Yes, Dirty J was Jing's name on air. Um, it's been so long since he's gone on air. But yes, Dirty J was his name. And uh, he trained me for, for everything. Hey, what's up to Chino Liao, who dropped in on the live chat. Uh, you've got a couple of fans here on the feed as well, Renzo. Yeah. Uh, Chad, thank you so much. Yeah. And Diego. Oh, man, these guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, going through training like this, uh, Shempre had to go th through Dirty J's time slot. Was it an yeah. odd time slot or was it a prime time slot? So, a new first time slot that you had to get used to. 9 a.m. to 12, which was... Not bad at all. It was basically a normal work schedule, but half day. So thankfully, it allowed me to have a very flexible rest of the day while I was trying to figure out what I would be doing for work. Um, but at the same time, I also had to get up early and beat the morning traffic and get there on time. Because, you know, if you're a trainee, 
there's no way you're getting there um, after your call time. Yeah, and there's no excuse for you to be late when you're a trainee. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you show up late and it's not even your show. That's true. Yeah. And as, as someone who is you know, in charge of the board, there is such a big pressure to be there on time and to make sure you're there for your trainer's brief and then what they want to do for the show and all that. So, you know, it, it was a really, really good training program. I mean, it was just me and Jing one on one. It wasn't like it wasn't like a student jock program where I was with, you know, 50 other people. It was very focused training, and um, I think that benefited me a lot, and I learned a lot from Jing. Is, uh, was Dirty J still there when you guys were transitioning from RIT to Play FM? Was who still there? Sorry. Uh, Dirty J, your trainer. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Play, um, Dirty J had a show on Play for about a year, I think, before he decided to leave um, and pursue sports casting full-time. So, you know, we got to do the show together for a very long time. It was so much fun, and... Uh, yeah, it was it was great. It was it was a great learning experience. What was it like going through the transition period there? Because um, you know, not every transition period is the same, and I've yeah. only ever gone through that like twice. And going through it as someone who's employed is never fun because sobrang gulunya it really knocks you off your rhythm. I can imagine it's even more confusing where you, when you're new and you're just trying to learn the ropes. Right. Well, I mean, thankfully, I joined. I got to join a little, you know, a little bit after they had already turned into play. So like, I was told about the opening when they were transitioning, but then they had me come in and audition and train when it was already play. So this was already in February, uh, April, April, May-ish of 2013. Because I don't know what the reformat to play around December of, 20, of 2012. And so it was already a few months into play when they had me come in officially to, to uh, audition. Because from what I know, they are. They had already gotten a, a new bunch of DJs uh, to work for play as kind of like the opening and and debut line of DJs, and so they were just looking for more and looking for more new talent. So that's when they auditioned. So it wasn't awkward, man, because like you you knew what it was like or what what it was going to be when you came in. Right. I mean, at that point, like ninety nine point five had already gone through like what five different rebrandings, and so it it was nothing new to me. Uh, they went from play to hit the campus to uh, I forgot the others. They're playing the drive, right? Yeah, no, I think that was just like that was just a tagline of of RT. But then uh, when they landed on play, I mean, it was rebrandings are not something I'm uh, I'm not used to, so it, it was completely fine. It wasn't like a weird or awkward experience whatsoever. So when you finally came on board, you had your own time slot. But was it a solo show for you, or did you have a partner by then? Um, they broke the news to me that I was going to be officially, you know, hired and, and everything by telling me that I was going to get my own show on the weekends. So Saturday, Sunday, 6 to 10 p.m. That's the four-hour show is being played. So uh, Saturday, Sunday, 6 to 10 p.m. would be my slot. And it was basically like, uh, basically like a, a trial slot. So like they would see how I would fare boarding alone on the weekends. And I filled up a pretty big spot. That was eight, like eight hours worth of programming on the weekends. And they basically gave me freedom to, to do whatever I wanted the show. Um, of course, like by approval of the higher ups. But you know, our boss at the time, Dennis, Big D, wonderful, wonderful uh, boss, gave us so much freedom and gave me so much creative freedom to just be like, okay, your show, call it whatever you want, um, and you know, run whatever segments you want to run. And that was probably like the most fun 
I've had like in radio ever, just like the first year of having your own show. It's just so much freedom and you're, you're, you're talking to all these people who are listening and you're able to talk about things that you enjoy and people are responding back to you. And so it was just an absolute blast. That's when I completely fell in love. Do you remember the name of that first film? It was called Renzo on the radio. It, it was pretty self-explanatory. Rolled off the tongue really well. Oh, my name starts with an R, so does radio. So that's that's basically the 900 IQ connection that I had when coming up with that. But I owned it. I had a, had a hashtag. You know, I came up with segments like Renzo Reviews, where I talk about movies and movies you should I watch. I remember that. Like, uh, I think I heard that with Lil Joey. Yeah, yeah. yeah the reviews of the reviews. album. Yeah, yeah. So like we, we would switch between movies and album reviews. And so um, I guess just that freedom and that that brand new environment was just so invigorating and it was so much fun. Do you remember your first year in radio? What was that like, man? Um, my first year in radio, as in hired hired and I had Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you had your own show. You were basically like not being trained under someone anymore. Yeah, dude. Uh, that was senior year in college. So they gave me weekend sign-on. So imagine a senior, all the parties are happening on campus. And then that was the only thing I said I wouldn't do. I would not do sign-on. Like I would not do Saturday 6 a.m. So the fact that you did it, man, like, bravo. No, the fact that you had the choice and I didn't says a lot about yung, yung, uh, <laughs> yung brand equity mo that early in your career versus how I, I had zero. I think like, I think it's a 6 a.m. show on Saturday, Sunday. So I ma take over. No, in my case, it was take it or leave it. So I was like, you know what? I want a job kahit pa lang ako. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to call right. it whatever the hell I wanted to. So I called it the morning after for obvious reasons. And there may have been times, or there may not have been times, when I showed up with a hangover or two. Which is the morning after. Like, yeah. it's perfect because you, 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 you found a way to show up to work, maybe even still slightly drunk from the night before, and just call it branding. I guess. <laughs> like, which is genius, man. But yeah, I mean, so, the freedom of that first year, I'm sure, was just like unparalleled, man. Was there ever a moment in the first year, Neon, when you were like, okay, I'm here. I've made it, I'm legit, I'm hanging with the big boys, or did that not come in until later on? Well, I mean, admittedly, you know, with the whole legacy on my back and, and my bosses constantly mentioning it, it I, I hope it doesn't come out wrong, but it never felt like that was a goal of mine, you know, to be with the big boys. I, like, my goal from the very start of radio was always to just be like, I want to make my own name, and, and I want to be a good radio DJ, and I will take what my parents taught me. I'll take what my trainer taught me. But uh, there was no other expectation. There was no other goal that I would have set other than I wanted to be good. And whether that be on a weekend primetime show or a weekend show, I just wanted to produce good on-air content. Because I, you know, that those first few months with the weekend show, I saw, you know, like I saw what was like what, what we were capable of doing on air. Like there was so much fun stuff you can do on air. My dad calls radio the theater of the mind. And so he says that, you know, sometimes we have more freedom than a visual medium because audio, you know, it's, it's limitless. You can, you can close your eyes and, and imagine certain things just basically by playing sound effects or, 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 or certain background songs. And so, you know, I really played along with that. I, I downloaded so much of like custom elements, sound effects and content for my show. And so it was just, it was just so much fun. Saying what's up to one of your former partners, by the way, Jazz Reyes, uh, leaving a couple of comments in the live feed. Really appreciate that. Love you, Jazz. Jazz is actually one of the, she, she was the pioneer batch of DJs when 
RT went to play. She was one of the the debut lineup of DJs when they had reformatted. Uh, she was formerly a uh, Magic Junior jock, along with uh, Kino and Bea and Justin, if I'm not mistaken. And so they had all kind of been moved over to play to start this new brand. Um, so that's 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 them. Hi, Jazz. Thank you. What was it like for you being with all the Magic JJs, given uh, you weren't part of that uh, that crew and you were kind of on your own little island getting trained in-house? Um, sorry, what was the question again? What was it like for you being um, someone who was trained in-house, someone who's not part of that Magic JJ circle or that learning tree and then you know, um, just hanging with them in the same crew after you'd all been presented as a debut lineup of this new format? I mean, I don't know if I just got lucky or, you know, or anything, but I never felt a clicky feel from any of the the the, the DJs who came from Magic who went to play. Um, and I think a, a big part of that was because a lot of them had been junior jocks for so long that they were really just waiting and dying to make a name for themselves and to start their own kind of radio journey. Um, and not, not to say that they had any ill will or feelings toward magic, but they just really, you know, they've been there in the program for so long and they really were just somewhere in it and it set up to make their own name. And so when, you know, they were given play and they were given like this new home and new family to start, they were welcoming anybody in with open arms and, 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 and including me. And I always made it a point to just tell them always that, okay, no matter what you hear from our bosses or no matter how much they gush about, you know, my parents or my sister, I am new at this and you know more about this than I do. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm here to learn from you. And I always, I always wanted to make that clear. And I think that's also something I learned from my mom and, and my dad. You know, they, one thing that they always like saying is that I'm still learning. Like no matter how many years you have in the industry, whether it be voice acting, radio, whatever have you, we're never not learning. And we're always constantly expanding our skills and learning new things every day. I mean, we have, we have um, student DJs who are teaching me new things about personality work and 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 certain things. So it's it's always a great attitude to come into. And and the fact that the group of people who were handpicked to start off play were also the most wholesome, understanding, and welcoming people. Also, well, I wouldn't say wholesome, but understanding and welcoming. <laughs> yeah, because I re I saw Jazz in the chat. I'm like, yeah, not wholesome at all. But uh, they were just so nice, and I didn't. You know, feel any of that clickiness, and I'm someone who's very susceptible to feeling left out and 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 all that stuff. So, you know, I would have spotted it from a mile, and I never, and I never felt that. So you started off on the weekends, but at what point did you get moved to the weekdays? And what was your first time slot when you finally did get moved to the weekdays? Uh man, what was my first time slot when I got moved to the weekdays? So, um, I think my first show was when uh, little Joey, Joey Agustin, he. Um, was it him? Dude, I don't even know. I remember it was just a year of weekend shows, 6 to 10 p.m. There was even like, okay, just to counteract you having to board 6 a.m. Um, there was one time where walang taong free magboard ng Saturday 6 a.m. and Sunday 6 a.m. So they had to do Saturday 6 to 10 a.m., Saturday 6 to 10 p.m., Sunday 6 to 10 a.m., and Sunday 6 to 10 p.m. So I That's messed up. Yeah, but then, you know, I slept in the station. For me, like, to me, that was just like, yeah, I get to sleep in the station and, you know, have all this Wi-Fi to myself and think about all the stuff I want to do for my show. Um, so, you know, young Renzo was, was very excited by the idea. But, um, uh, sorry, what was, the, what was the question before this? Again? I totally forgot. Yeah, like, what was your first time slot in a weekday? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so after a while, um, 
I believe it was, I think, I think it was little Joey who asked me to co-host with him uh, on the weekday show from two to 6 PM. Um, and that was like, that was a huge honor because, you know, um, little Joey's co-hosts before then had been my sister Inca or, uh, or Bea. I think Bea was his co-host at one point. And so like, you know, he's had such a good, um, he's had, he's had such good company on his show. And I know him to be one of my favorite DJs from before I joined radio. I used to listen to Joey a lot and I loved his, his personality. I loved his cadence on air and I loved his content. So to be asked to co-host the show with him, it was super fun because it felt like, you know, he trusted me uh, in that sense. And, and he, he trusted me enough to co-host an entire show with him. And so I learned so much from Joey in, in that, uh, in that time with him. Uh, that was also around the time when, we were doing play it live again. And so every Friday, no, no, every Wednesday we would have Wednesday or Thursday, we would have musical guests over. And that also helped train me in interviewing big guests for, for later interviews. Cause that was something that would always terrify me. I don't know if it was a problem with you, but I was always super nervous about interviewing artists or celebrities. Like it may be natural to us now. Was, did you have a problem with that before? Or were you, were you always? No, I still do. Yeah, I still do. Yeah, yeah. There are times na nagtatago ako sa spinner, uh, the, the spinner spot, which is like the person who actually controls all the effects, the sound effects, the songs, the theaters, yeah. the mics, right? Uh, whenever there's like a big name artist that enters our booth, I prefer to be spinning so I have a reason not to talk to them just because I'd get so, uh, so shy, so afraid that I'd clam up. And I would always pray that my partner would be the more personable one. And I've been lucky na, you know, I, I've been able to go to that crutch. So I can totally yeah. relate to what you're saying. Yeah, that was joy for me. Like, you know, every time I would say something and it would come out awkward, he would come and like save me from that and make a joke out of it. And we just laugh about it. And so it was a, it was a great, great learning experience. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, after my time with Joey, they put me on the nine to 12 AM show. Cause at that point, C dirty J had already left. So the nine to 12 AM was uh, nine to 12 PM was free. And that was when they put me in a show with my sister Inca and it was called grounded. It was packaged as a brother-sister show where we would bicker a lot. And I can tell you now there was more bickering off-air than there was on-air. And that was to say a lot. But uh, we, we did a kick How would that show. be? Or, or, or can you give me an example of like the stuff that you're doing just because you're Well, I mean, she lived in a different house, you know. So uh, there, there would be a lot of times when you know, I'd have to pick her up and if she, if she wasn't ready yet or vice versa. And, you know, the usual high school stuff you fight with your siblings about except amped up because we were getting paid for all this stuff. And so it was just extra, extra pressure. Um, but then, you know, just like, I guess stuff we would discuss on the air, stuff we would disagree about, but we knew that whatever conflict or disagreement we would have off air, we would like, okay, save it for on air. Cause that's like, that's gold. And it was never in a sense that let's save our dirty, dirty laundry for on air. It was more like, this could be a funny banter back and forth. Let's just do it on air. Why not? And it would, almost always be pretty good. Um, but at that point, we were being heavily, heavily, um, uh, what would you call this? I guess. Kind of monitored? Watched. Yeah, monitored for our talk time because that was around the time management had switched up and we were only allowed to talk about 60 seconds every time we turn on the mic. And so there would be a lot of 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, so there'd be a lot of pressure to get things out quickly and with high energy and to wrap it up quickly. So um, I think, you know, my sister and I did that pretty well. See, I think what a lot of people don't necessarily understand is the concept of time when you're a radio personality. Because it's about 30 to 60 seconds. Now, if you're new and you put someone new in front of the mic, you can ad-lib for 30 to 60 seconds. 
that's an eternity. Parang, yeah. Like, shit, anong sasabihin ko in 30 to 60 seconds? How am I going to stretch whatever is in my brain to make it come out and not have it be nonsensical? And then the flip side to that is pag na-train ka na, or pag may konting alam ka na, and you can actually go on air on your own, yeah. 30 to 60 seconds becomes too short. Yeah, it's okay. You're not so That's so weird. Um, I think it's also because it's even worse when you're alone and you have to kind of, you know, at the very start of it, when you're told, all right, talk about this for 60 seconds. And then when you're by yourself, it's so hard to steer a conversation any yeah. longer than, you know, 30. Because I think the art of conversing with an audience member that isn't there, that's a, that's a special talking skill on its own. Like you can do speeches, you can do TED Talks, which are addressed to hundreds of people and a group of people, but to, to do radio ad libs, which are supposed to be deeply personal and should connect with listeners and you should sound very impersonal and casual. That's like, that, that's, that, that takes a lot of training to, to perfect and master. And the, Man, I'm pretty sure you know you and I. We've encountered so many people who thought that they could do it just because they've heard people on radio do it. But when you actually have them do it, sobrang palpa. And so, like you know, you can see really where I guess the the skill of a of a radio DJ is. It's it's in both stretching out something to 60 seconds and condensing it to 60 seconds. Like you know, we have to be presentable and concise at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Sobrang heat up and. Um, I can imagine it must have been hard for you, like just going back to uh, your time as little Joey's partner, being uh, having to be partners with someone who's worked with your sister. So you know, I think whether or not anyone acknowledges it outright, there's probably that uh, that subconscious standard. Now, okay, this is how Inca was, and now Renzo's her brother. He has to be at this level too. Something something like that. May na feel Whether or not little Joey uh, meant to make you feel that way. Uh, definitely not. Actually, you know, I mean. Joey in, in, in him being Joey, uh, he would make jokes like that, uh, but then they, I never took them to heart or I never felt like they were half men, as people say. Um, but, it, it, you know, I always felt like he took his partners to be who they were, you know, uniquely, and, and they were never just a co-host position for him to fill. He would really, you know, pivot his show or pivot his personality to fit and meld with his co-hosts, which is the sign of a really good anchor. Um, and, you know, and also a sign that, 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 uh, he's, he's willing to, he's willing to work with other people without, you know, not sounding like Joey anymore, which is something I've always appreciated with Joey. Uh, like I could bring my own personal brand of, of Kalokohan on air and he would never go along with it. Like he's just agreeing with me. He would, you know, add his own little Joey touch to it. And so I've always appreciated that. And I think that goes along with the original Play FM crew being, super nice and 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 super welcoming and and so so good at radio like super skilled and talented that you know everything that came after was just it, it just felt right now uh at what point did you begin to form your own radio personality as in you the, the on-air persona that's different from the renzo you'd meet on the street or at school or at the bar because right. for a lot of people um it, it takes forever and i personally, I don't think I was able to actually form my personality until I would say like five, six years into the business because it's not something that develops overnight. That's true. Um, I, well, I had I had the well, I guess I, I would call it an advantage in the sense I had the advantage of not really having your usual path as like a teenager and young adult. Like you know, while every every one of my batchmates and batchmates and my friends were 
enjoying college and thinking about what course they're going to take and what they're going to do after college, I was already like looking for work and, and, you know, auditioning for stuff and working out my BIR, you know, OR stuff. And so I really had to have a strong sense of my own identity to stay sane and to have any shred of self-esteem. And so I kind of owned that unique, I guess, side of myself. And that's what I kind of packaged and showed to the world. I, I was a kid, I was a kid raised by the internet too. Like I spent so much time on the internet and I think that's one edge that I had. Like I just, I basically reviewed all of my strengths. And one of them was that I knew internet pop culture confidently more than anyone else on air. Like at that time, I could say that with utmost confidence, except maybe other than Kino who I super got along with and ended up becoming one of my best friends up until today. And so, you know, I think when you're, when you grow up like that, when you're very, I don't want to say weird or awkward because, you know, I mean, we work in radio, but when you have that strong sense of individuality at a young age, finding your, your on-air personality isn't so difficult. Uh, I guess it was really just about what to you is your on-air personality? Is it the stuff that you choose to talk about? Is it, the way that you say things is it the way you respond to certain do you like how about do you stand what do you think is the radio personality is it the way you speak is it you know like yeah what is it to you i think it's the characteristics like i've always looked at radio personas as an extension of yourself from wrestling um i, yeah. I hate to default this uh, to this analogy because it's not as inclusive or mainstream but mm-hmm. um it, it's really like wrestling where you take parts of yourself that you feel people can relate to the most and then you ra- uh, ramp it all the way up to 11. So like when I was trying to form uh, like my radio character, I thought about Stone Cold Steve Austin because he gave advice in his book. You take parts of yourself that you want to put out there and you ramp it all the way up to 11. So in my case, it was yung, yung, uh, being too vocal about opinions because you feel so strongly about them and at the same mm-hmm. time being a troll. Yeah. So like, like uh, these are like that's me. I, I'm not sure where the line is drawn. I just know now there's a side of me that's such a huge troll, and I let it let that out on the air. And at the same time, it's basically who I am in real life when I'm at the bar and I've had one too many drinks. So that's like, good. For you, yeah. So like for you, where do you draw that line? Like how do you know that this is me in real life versus me when the mics are on? I think um, that's the scariest thing sometimes, man. I've realized that. As of late, I guess the more that I've gotten comfortable with radio and being on air, more and more of my natural personality comes out on air. And, you know, it is a more elevated version. It's a more well-spoken version. It's a more, you know, um, ratings board approved version. But then uh, it is still, you know, essentially me. But um, I think that's correct. You, you take the the parts of yourself that that are presentable in that sense. But because, like, I feel like, to 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 build your own radio personality, you already kind of have to have a general idea of what radio personalities are. Like I'm you, I'm pretty sure you knew of Mo Twister and people like Boys Night Out, of course. And, you know, all these other big radio personalities, and so you kind of already knew what would entail a radio personality, and so kind of building off one from that wasn't so difficult. And compared to someone who has no idea what a radio DJ does, trying to build the radio personality, it's it's a lot harder to to explain to them. So I think I had a bit of an edge in that sense too, growing up around radio people, just seeing them, how they are on air versus how they are in real life, like every single day that it kind of became natural to me now. now, Okay. So if you're on air, you're yourself because you want to sound comfortable, but at the same time, you know, you have to be 
aligned with your station's branding, or you have to find a way to make it entertaining, or you have to find Somebody a way on, to yeah. this and that. Yeah. And so I think I had an edge in that sense, but that, that's basically when radio on your personality is. Have you had different partners? I mean, like, have you had a lot of partners or right, right now I'm running, through, uh, running them through my head? Oh, wait, uh, by the way, the wrestling, the wrestling analogy isn't so lost on me. Don't worry. I'm sitting on my WWE lounge. <laughs> <laughs> Grade A, my friend. Grade A. <laughs> so you're saying? Uh, yeah, no. no um, ha- have you had a lot of partners aside from the ones that I know of? So you mentioned the uh, Jin, the uh, Lil Joey, yeah. Jazz. Uh, mm-hmm. There's Margo. So, yeah. you know, those four. And Inca. Inca, my sister, for Grounded. Um, that's about it. I mean, I would have partners from our student uh, DJ programs, like Destin, every now and then. But, you know, I, Shit, I forgot Gabe. That's my bad. Yeah, yeah, Gabe as well. But then, you know, I mean, I, I guess I guess we weren't counting current uh, lineups. I, I figured you were talking about like a couple of years ago, home run with just me and Margo. But then, yeah, I mean, um, shoot, that would be horrible if I forgot someone right now, huh? <laughs> Pretty sure it was just you're making me rethink now, man. No, 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 because I, I was about to ask the question if you've ever had to work with a difficult partner, but because I kind of more or less know these people, I don't want to ask that question anymore. Instead, um, of, okay, okay, if you if you have an answer, parang um, are there are there personalities na lang na parang uh, I don't think I drive well with this aspect of a partner as opposed to this aspect of a partner, like without having to name names. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I will name names for sure. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I mean, from the current ones. Okay, so for example, for Inca, our, our on-air banter and our rapport was basically perfect because we grew up together and we were siblings. You know, it's very different for some with someone who you grew up with. But yeah. for example, let's say with someone like uh, Little Joey, he had such a strong anchor presence in his show that you know, I could be myself completely. I could say whatever wacky thing. And Joey would be so secure in his on-air personality that he would find a way to to either work with it or go against it in a very presentable way. And so that was always great to work with uh, in that sense. But as an anchor, that's where it gets kind of difficult because all these times I was a co-host. I was a co-host to my sister. I was a co-host to Joey. But being an anchor, that's when it gets kind of difficult because you have to lead the show you basically have to be the commanding voice of the show and follow the direction of it and so when you're managing an entire other personality and voice um that's when you can run into problems like okay so for example for me and jazz when we started out you know i had really big shoes to fill because she was you know hosting the uh the 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 primetime evening show with tino shortly before that and you know they had such a good back and forth they had such a good rapport and dynamic that you know i was extremely insecure i didn't know if i could fill in those shoes but then um i realized that jazz is like jazz is like a firecracker on air and and like in the best way possible and you know for someone who does not know how to handle that she could be a bad partner for someone who does not know how to manage that one could probably find her a bad partner but for me as someone who can bounce off of that and work off of her brand of of you know Kalihutan, that's like I had so much fun. We had we had a blast going on air. Like we could literally have nothing to talk about, and I'd just be like, you know, I turn on the microphone, and we'd go back and forth on something, and we'd create something out of nothing. And um, that's really the indicator of a good partner if you can create something out of nothing. The same thing with me and Margot. When we first started off, you know, we didn't have good shows, but as the weeks went on, you know, I learned about Margot's personality, and I and Margot learned from me. 
and we learned each other's cues. The same with jazz. You know, we learned how to work with each other. And so as far as personalities that I have worked with that I really didn't enjoy, I guess, I mean, I could name some, uh, I, I'm not going to name, but uh, certain student DJs who I've boarded with before, you know, whenever their energy would be like not there, whenever their personality yeah. would be uh, non-existent, or if they make jokes that I do not understand or get, and I don't know how to bounce off of it other than awkwardly laughing and, you know, segueing to the next song. That's basically it. But I believe that with enough time and, 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 and studying and adjustment, um, anyone can get used to any partner. It's really just a matter of knowing how to repackage that dynamic and make it, you know, presentable on air. All right. Uh, on that note, I want to ask about preparation because um, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, especially if you don't really listen to the radio a whole lot or if you listen pero wala kang kilalang uh, radio DJs personally. But we actually try to prepare before we come inside the booth, before we turn on the mics. And everybody has their own styles of preparing. And um, I, I was always, I've always been curious to find out what's style style of preparing. Like how do you... How do you get yourself ready for the show? Do you have to load up on every trending topic on Twitter? Because as you said, you know your way around the internet better than most. Well, yeah. Um, so, well, it starts with an R and it rhymes with bled it. So that's basically how I get all of my, I mean, you know, if, 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 you, if you're thinking of like, you know, movie news, just go to the movie subreddit. If you're thinking of weird news, then go to Not The Onion. You know, like all these like, like I think it's really just about knowing where to look on the internet because- yeah. You know, there are, okay, so like even even with, you know, our current lineup or even other DJs in other stations, you know, yeah. people look for news in places like, like Facebook pages like Lad Bible or like all these other places. I, that's not really my thing. That's not really my style. Just mainly because there's, there's such a room for error in these websites and they're known to either post some fake stuff or misleading stuff. But yeah, but I think that's also uh, an advantage of, of, being raised on the internet and knowing all the nooks and crannies of the net, you you know all these obscure references that the youngins are making, and you really know what um, what people are talking about in that sense. But I actually never looked at trending topics on Twitter to look for something to talk about. It was really just about going on. Well, because I guess my show was there was never catered to you know Filipino pop culture and talking about what's going on in showbiz. You know, it was really just about talking about Hollywood movies or or weird news or news that affects, I guess, TV viewers. I guess just all these Western pop culture stuff that I, admittedly, you know, I had a very Western pop culture focused show, which was uh, kind of bad um, because I think you have a responsibility to kind of have a show that is catered to the people who are listening to you and the people listening to us sometimes don't know what's going on in Western pop culture and that's fine. And so. Um, yeah, the usual like just looking up through MTV News or like all these other entertainment websites. I've literally, I've literally had to Google entertainment news and just see what comes up first because, like, I mean, news can come from anywhere. No, I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask, Naina, um You had such a Western frame of mind or Western point of view, I guess, in terms of the pop culture, and that did it not alienate some listeners because. As much as we like to pretend that all of our listeners are English speakers, the fact of the matter is that's just not the case. And yeah. even if sobrang English speaking in station mo, whether that's Magic or Play or Wave mm -hmm. or RX, uh, I would guarantee you 85-90% of the comments are in Tagalog. So, so like, oh, yeah. did that not alienate your listeners? Uh, 
I don't know because I never. I mean, I, I I would get the occasional even up until now. I would get the occasional nosebleed comments. You know, like you know, uh, nosebleed now either sa pagka English niyo or something. Um, and I you know I've had, I have been trying to incorporate more Taglish into you know our 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 broadcasts and our content. Uh, but then back then, I think it was, I don't know, because like I would get comments in Tagalog. But they would be responding to the stuff I would be reporting about. Like, you know, they would be responding to the Western pop culture stuff I'd be talking about, but their comments would be in Tagalog talking about the thing. So um, I think it was really just bridging that gap between between those people. I don't think I really, I probably alienated a bunch of people, but at the same time, if you're looking for Filipino pop culture, you don't listen to a top 40, you know, a station like Play FM. You know, you go over to like Barangay or something. I mean, which... I mean, we're not. I'm not making fun of them, dude. They're talented yeah. as heck. And so, I can't do what they do. Yeah, no, like they are beasts. People in Masa Radio are actual beasts. Like their their wit and their and their and their skills to just come up with stuff off the top of their head in Tagalog at lightning speed. I cannot think of doing that. But I don't and think the, I, the best part is they're not tinderas, they're not labanderas or drivers. Yeah. Like, but that's the image that they they try to create, and it goes yeah. back to what your dad used to say, now. Radio's theater of the mind. When you look at these massa DJs, they can be like the uh, you know the ordinary people that we run into at the mall. Yeah, or they can be bougie as heck, but they're talking yes. like you know, but they're talking like this. And so, uh, props to them. But at the same time, you know, if you're if you're listening to a station like Play FM or Jam or Wave or, or, or Magic, um, you, you're gonna you're gonna get what you know what you expect, which is I guess English language broadcasting. Right. So uh, we were talking about the listeners and how ninety percent of the time they're going to be responding in Tagalog. Sometimes, you know, they they give you these comments that uh, uncalled for or worse are really just downright weird and creepy. And have you ever had to deal with these types of listeners? A sobrang creepy, and you don't even know how to respond to them. Um, it was mostly like you know, as just to highlight the issue of it being always worse for for girls in this industry. It was it was a lot of deflecting it for our you know our girl co DJs or our other uh, uh, co hosts who are women because a lot of it would come from them. Uh, all the other times, I guess, it really just depends on like what you would define as creepy. I mean, um, creepy could be like what what's creepy to you? Like, do you have an example? Yeah, uh, I've had uh, I've had someone I've had a listener pretend na ako yung Joa yeah, so she would like put together pictures of me and her. Like I um my, my wow. friends in radio and my friends in real life actually know this story. So you know, um that's that's as creepy as creepy gets for me. And I'm a dude. So like, yeah, no, that, that would uh, yeah, that that's happened to me before. Yeah, that's happened to me before. I think I blocked it out of my mind. But there have been there have been, <laughs> there have been listeners who kind of you know overstepped their boundaries and and tweet and message and and seem to almost think that they're part of your personal life more than they should be. Not to say no one that we're like closed off because I mean, you and I, we've both made friends out of listeners. Like we, yep. we have so many listeners who are friends who we still like follow on social media, we still are in touch with. And, you know, uh, and these are people who do talk to us and, and, but aren't like feeling close or aren't weird about it or aren't creepy about it. They really just talk to us, enjoy the show. And we like talking to them back and we became friends. So as far as creepy goes, um, that's, that's a conversation that you'll want to have with like Debbie or Jazz or or Bea or Cats or like literally any woman who works in this room, Margot even, uh, like we've had to we've had to deal with some creeps in the past. But um thankfully, thankfully for us, that's as far as it's gone. Okay, let's go to the other side of the spectrum. 
spectrum, and I hate to be using the word spectrum because it might give off uh, a negative connotation, but I mean this in a positive way. So I'm going to ask about your best experience with a listener. Like, uh, what's, uh, what's something a listener has done for you that has made you feel like, all right, wow, I actually made a difference in this person's life, or hey, you know, um, it, it's really cool that I got to interact and meet these people through radio. Oh, um, well, so so our our student DJ program, Rookie Radio, you know, we take in take in students, they audition, and we train them to be on air talent. Um, uh, there are a few of them who, you know, we auditioned them and they got through, and and they did, and they're doing fantastic, and they sound amazing, and you know, they would come up to me and they would say like, "What made me want to audition was when I heard you on air, and you know, just hearing how you can sound and how." And that you can actually talk about these things on air and it'll still sound entertaining that made me want to try it out because you know i didn't feel so weird or i didn't feel so i guess i didn't feel ashamed about being this way and that i could actually package it and make a personality out of it and i'm like that's super cool in terms of like you know actual listeners there have been listeners who have like baked a cupcake with my like with with a drawing of me on it some people have like given me t-shirts of my favorite bands like they, they've dropped off my favorite flavor of lace you know in the in the booth and i, and I don't I even tell them on your instagram yeah. yeah that's like the that's so much fun and these are listeners who who end up becoming my friends online because we still follow each other i still you know like their stuff and we talk about certain things our common interests and and even after they've you know grown out of the radio phase like they're not listening to play as much anymore or like you know into radio we still talk and we still interact so it's like it's super fun in that sense there's We've met so much. I'm pretty sure you've also met great people through the radio as listeners. Absolutely. I um I liked what you said in radio face because I realized it's an it's an actual thing. Like that radio yeah. face now. Uh you're really into it and you keep listening. And kabisado mo yung lineup no bong station, you know, all of the partnerships, you know their history, uh, who's been partners with whom, yeah, uh, who's moved to this time slot and that time slot, and all the titles of the different segments of every show. And it's it it just blows my mind that yeah. I wasn't the only one who did this and that it's an actual face that people grow into and subsequently grow out of. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure you've had, you know, you've had listeners who are probably like the same five or ten, five or ten names you're used to seeing in comments or replies or tweets nah, that you don't see around anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. So like it really goes to show that sometimes they're really just a short fascination in people's lives. Sometimes there are people who stay listening to radio for decades and end up becoming super radio fanboys or fangirls. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of great people who listen to radio and I'm, I'm, we're lucky to be, you know, to have made friends with some of them. Totally, totally. Um, one thing that I want to say that we're not as lucky, uh, as lucky in compared to like other industries is the fact that radio does not pay well. And I'm going to say it point mm -hmm. blank, radio does not pay well. Oh, yeah. Everybody, uh, I remember when I got my first, uh, my first, contract i guess samello and my first paycheck people are like oh wow look at you high roller and i'm like ah, no <laughs> it's not the case so um knowing what we know now about radio how did you uh find like different avenues of income different sources of income just to support yourself because the salary of a radio personality is not enough at least not in this country no that's a good point i mean just just to add to that like I'm pretty sure you've you've done a bunch of talks. You teach, you know, you you teach an elective class for for teach, Savior. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and one of the things that I always bring up in every single talk, whenever you know a school college invites me to talk about radio, I always tell them, radio should not be your only job. It should only be your only job if you're a Zabel or something. 
But then, you know, if, if, if you actually like need to work your ass off and like pay some bills, you got to have two or three more side gigs. And uh, that's, that's usually what gets the biggest surprise, uh, biggest like shocker out of people. They, they, they find out that you don't get paid six figures for being on radio. Because um, I think it's just like a preconceived notion that if you're being broadcasted, that means you're being paid a lot, which is uh, completely not true. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, side gigs for, for radio people, I think it really goes to, it really, it's only natural for, for a lot of these radio people to gravitate towards hosting events and stuff. Yeah. But, that's but I know totally you don't like hosting events, Neba. Don't like hosting events. Um, <laughs> I've you're one of like, the rare ones. Yeah, I mean, th- granted, there is a high that comes after the hosting, the adrenaline high and, you know, patting yourself on the back. It's super fun. But personally for me, I really don't think it's worth the gut-wrenching nerves that go on uninterrupted for like three days before the event. Um, so, well, hosting is typically the main um, side gig for a lot of DJs. But for me, you know, I grew up voice acting and I had been voice acting way before I was doing radio. So that's something that I just kept on doing. It was almost like radio was my side gig because I was doing voice acting first. But since radio is the regular paycheck, I can say that's the main thing. But voice acting, um, just anything to do with performing or voice. That's basically where everybody gravitates towards in radio. I, I know there are a few DJs who still have like day jobs. Like, um, Jello. Yeah. 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 You had a, yeah. You had a day job. Um, uh, Jello of, of, of play FM. He, he has a day job as well. And so, you know, there are a lot of people out there who really do radio and have three or four other gigs on the side. So it only makes sense. Uh, we've got someone on the live feed, Erica Bianca, who's asking you to sample a character voice. What's up, Erica? Do I, do I have to do, you want me to do a character voice? Okay, before you do the character voice, I got to yeah. say this. And I'm sure every radio DJ has encountered this. You, you meet someone mo from like high school or college or wherever the fuck. And they find out you work in radio and they go, Uy, sample! Like... <laughs> I, I never understood the fascination for people asking you to sample your radio voice. Because hey, w- when you meet an accountant, you ask him, we sample, put the bookkeeping naman right here, right now. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. Well, I mean, you meet the, the, a security the guard, do you ask him to like defend you right here, right now? Well, it's, I guess it's mainly because our, our job is a lot more performative than being an accountant or a bouncer. But I mean, I do get the sentiment. I never really got to hear it much from, from friends because my group of friends. Um, they're very chill in that sense. They would really just be like, oh, you're too famous to hang out with us now. And I'm just like, I'm hanging out with you right now. Um, but then, uh, it would really just more come from family members. They would like, oh, pasampuling us, sampling us and stuff. And um, I so wouldn't do do? really know what to do, dude. Like whenever they asked me to sample, I would just say the call letters and I'd introduce a fake song. Sometimes I'd juke them and, and pretend, I'm, pretend I'm on AM radio or something. Like it was... I never knew what to do, man. I never knew what to do when they asked for a sample because it's like it's 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 natural for us to do it in the booth when there's nobody there, just your co-host. But the like exactly. do a radio spiel when there's a whole party of people watching you and asking for a sample, it's like, what are you expecting, man? Have you do you get asked that a lot? Like, did you get asked that a lot way, way back when you when you first started radio? I wouldn't say way, way back as a sovereign disrespectful to like the generation that came before us or like the more experienced vets who'll be like, look at these two young fuckers uh, thinking that they're this shit because they've spent a few years behind the booth. No, no I'm, I'm not going to say like, I'm, I'm a veteran. <laughs> but what I will say is that I still get that question and it still bothers me because like, yeah. like after years of getting that question, 
come up with a response that goes along the lines of, oh, ah, sample ba? Sige. Uh, this next song is brought to you by Toyota and it's called Fuck You. <laughs> by yeah. CeeLo Green. Or by Lily you, Allen. Are you going to show them They like would that? also still be impressed. I, I, I found out that it's, it's sad, but people have such a low bar when it comes to, you know, expecting a radio voice because you can sound like a total jag off as long as your voice is loud and somewhat pronounced they'll think it's a radio voice and that's always like like that's always frustrated me because you know it, it leads to uh, a whole group of people who think that being in radio means you gotta sound like this all the time when like no dude like, just talk normally sometimes people who have like the weirdest voices sound really good on air because they don't try to change their voice for, for, yeah. for radio because they own their personality. And so I think that's something that uh, a lot of people don't know about the radio industry that, you know, we don't have a radio voice. Like, I don't, you don't have, I don't think you have a radio voice. I've heard you on air, man. Like it's, you're a lot more well-spoken. You, you have a great sense of timing and you're, and you're, and you're a bit more entertaining, but then as far thanks, as the thanks tone, for calling me boring in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to you talking and you talking on the air, I, I have a hard time finding it a, a difference between See, the thing is, I've been told na my radio voice, on, like I've heard you and may, may konting garal gal yung boses mo when you're actually behind the mic. And I noticed that. Right. So, you know, and, and it, it seems like a lifetime ago that both you and I have been inside of an actual radio station behind yeah. the booth. And it, it feels so weird just have spent the last couple of months na, you know, our, our booth or our office is, is our bedroom or our gaming station or wherever the fuck, you know. Um, wh- what do you miss the most about being behind the booth or boarding? Uh, well, I miss my co-hosts. That's, that's for sure. I mean, we, we did some great stuff on the air. It was always, I think, I think that's why our, our show sounded really good was because we had so much fun doing the show every single day. And we did our best to push the boundaries of radio, not like, in a sense that, oh, yeah, let's have naked women on Tuesdays. But, like, you know, it's more like we would actually, like, push the boundaries of what topics we could talk about. Like, if we could talk about, you know, uh, trans issues or, like, social issues or or politics even. Because I know politics is a big no-no on radio. Like, that's always one thing that they'd always talk about, like, when it comes to training. Avoid talking about politics. Don't have and a stand on... Yeah, and a religion. Don't have a stand on, on, uh, on, every, on anything. And that's something I always vehemently disagreed with. I did not like that. I understood not waving your opinions around about touchy subjects like carelessly, obviously, but there are, there is a way, there are ways to talk about politics in an intelligent manner without being offensive or, you know, because then at at the end of the day, in this day and age, when people, you know, look to on-air personalities or personalities in general, we're not in that they were not in the age anymore where they're just looking for a pretty face and a pretty voice to tell them what time it is or what song is playing. Like they want to listen to people and they want to hear people. And so it I think it's 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 so useful for an on-air personality to have these opinions and to have these stances on things. Um that uh that's that's what I miss the most. I mean, it's just just all the listeners and just being able to to pull off a show and and, and the music, man. I miss pop I, I miss pop music, I miss music in general, man. It's, it's, I miss it. Weird. I I miss everything about it. And like I was I was gonna um, reminisce and be nostalgic about it until you mentioned new political stuff. And I wanted to get into that a little bit. Um, not because of what's going on right now, because um, 
anybody who knows your social media knows you're one of the more vocally political uh, radio personalities out there. And that's something I've always respected about you because long Zero before years I, of full side experience, by the way. <laughs> dude, long before I even considered tweeting you sentiments about status quo and the things going on right now, you were already right. doing it. And uh, right. people like Susie, Nico Ramos, yourself, you were among the first to actually speak out about you know things going on right now. And I absolutely respect that. But did oh, that they... ever get you flack from like management or your parents even? Oh did yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think it was really just because you know I was a teenager with a Tumblr account, and so that's basically why I ended up becoming as vocal as I am now. But then uh, I got into a lot of trouble. Uh, one of the earliest. Uh, times that I remember was when I think it was um, I think Vika I'm not sure if I remember Vika Vika used to be uh, a DJ from Play FM uh, she moved to San Francisco but then uh, she and I were talking about our music selections and our music tastes on Twitter and she mentioned Mumford and Sons about how she wanted to cover a Mumford and Sons song she's a talented musician and I tweeted that dang, you know, there's no Mumford and Sons on Play FM. Like, that, that's it. Like, I just, just like, dang it, there's no Mumford and Sons on Play FM. And then um, uh, Nico messaged me. Nico Ramos messaged me, DM'd me, and was like, hey, Renzo, like, you know, you really shouldn't be highlighting the station's weaknesses. Like, don't tweet about what the station hasn't, um, but what, what the station doesn't have. Um, and to me, you know, my initial reaction was like, fuck the system, I'm being silenced, yada, yada. But then as I, <laughs> as I calmed down, I was like, yeah, that's 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 true. I mean, you know, there, you know, there's there's not, there is not faltering or not bending on your beliefs, um, but there's also being responsible with the identity of your station. Like, I will tweet out my views and 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 everything, but I will constantly reiterate that they're my own and that they don't reflect Play FM's. And nor will I try to course any of my Twitter politics through Twitter uh, through Play FM's Twitter in that sense. But, um. Oh, I also got um, in trouble last year, just last year, because um, am I allowed to mention pizza brands here? Uh, let's try not to get just a generic pizza brand. A. Okay. 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 I mentioned a generic pizza brand and um, I said that I didn't like their pizza. Right. But I said that I enjoyed their chicken. I was like, you know what? I really don't like this brand of pizza, but the chicken is really good. And I said, this brand of pizza is only good if you're broke and you need to order a lot of pizza because it's bad for your buck. <laughs> it's bad, which is like not a bad thing. It's, it's also it's, a ding. Yeah, it's but totally it's, a ding. But like, you know, food preferences, I thought were the safest things to have online. Like I wasn't saying, you know, I wasn't saying anything daring, but um, I got in trouble. I got called into, I got called into management's office and, you know, they didn't like sanction me or warn me or anything, but the tweets had blown up. I was being accused of of being anti-poor, um, but then <laughs> just because I said it's only good if you're broke, I meant that as a good thing. But um, yeah, I got called in, and then and then they were like, "Renzo, you gotta gotta watch what you're tweeting because you know that brand is a big sponsor, and if if they decide to not sponsor your show, that's that's the station losing money directly because of you." Um, and so, you know, I learned a lesson, but at the same time, it's just pizza. <laughs> I think that's one thing that I, one of my, one of my opinions about today's radio is that it's, it's far too catered to advertisers. Like it's far too catered to advertisers to the point where they let 
advertisers who have no idea, have little to no idea how radio works, little to no idea who the radio personalities are past the super popular ones. They're letting these advertisers kind of control content or, or, or modify content, which is like, no, like let radio produce content for you and, and, you know, approve it or, or approve it or disapprove. Like don't, don't put your hand in, in, in creative control in radio because like what comes out the other end are super awkward sounding spiels, uh, spiels that don't sound natural at all. Uh, yeah. Spiels that go to um, DJs that don't match the personality. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for example, there's someone um, who isn't that much of a sports fan or a racing car fan you give them a script for the upcoming formula one event or something like it's not going to sound genuine from them you see because i feel like there's too much importance on advertisers to the point where we lose what's important which are the djs because they're the ones producing the content for you they're the ones you know repeating your your brand on air and so if that comes out as disingenuine the audience will will totally recognize that I mean, I kind of agree with a lot of the things you're saying for the most part, but the one thing I really want to zero in on is when they give you these feels that don't sound natural. Like, yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure you know this brand uh, that sells a type of milk. slogan yeah. sobrang weird lang talaga, and you end up sounding like... Uh, like you don't know how to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you made a mistake with your grammar or with the pronunciation, which is really, really weird because when you're a yeah. DJ, the expectation is that you're your diction, and that your pronunciation is flawless. So when you're saying this tagline, and I know that people who listen to radio and who uh, have been behind the mic know what I'm talking about. Frustrate. <laughs> and I, I want to say, say shit about it, but at yeah. the same time, I can't say no to the money they bring in because that's money that goes directly in my pocket. That's true. Like, you know, at the same time, I don't, I don't fault the, the business that it's modeled that way because, you know, even in any industry here, Clients are king. Advertisers are king. It's not just radio. It's 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 everywhere. So you know, I, it's not something that I would blame or put on radio alone. Um, but then about that 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 brand, I think the workaround that I had for it is that I have to like super exaggerate the way I say the tagline. So parang sobrang halata that I'm saying a a tagline. So I'd never say it like in pass in passing because if you say it like as part of the same breath as your ad lib, it's gonna sound yeah. like I'm right. See, I, I, uh, nobody ever taught me that. Nobody taught me mga work around the ganyan, and I'm learning this for the first time, right? right so, right. like, this is what I love about these conversations <laughs> with you when we talk shop, because I always pick, I, I always pick up something new. So, you know, that's something I'll probably bring back to when, whenever or whatever the new normal is. Yeah. Oh, another example of, of you know, a spiel that was just completely off. You, you know, Margo once got an all Tagalog script. <laughs> Margo, who does not. I mean, who? Of course, she speaks Tagalog, but you know, she's okay, trying. Let's, let's provide her. backstory. Let's provide context. Uh, yes, Margot did not grow up here. She grew yeah. up in the Bay Area, and mm -hmm. uh, English is her first language. Yeah, and you know, she's still you know trying to learn Tagalog, and she's trying her best. Like every time she gets a Tagalog script, she doesn't you know turn it away. She's like, "I'm gonna do this. Like, I'm gonna do my best to read this." So, granted, it comes out as if it's a foreigner or someone you know, and if I'm trying to speak Tagalog, but then. You know, it really goes to show that you can't just control A and send all to, to all of these stations. Each and every Absolutely, single station yeah. has their unique identity, unique brand. Each DJ has their, uh, has their unique personality and each show has their own segments. And so like, it's, it's difficult to 
just copy paste all and just send it all to everybody because it's not going to always work. And so I feel like that's that's one approach that's not working for radio. Yeah, it's just not. I mean, I, I really wish in a perfect world that advertisers and the people who are marketing the stations would get to know their personalities better. And that oh, it's only probably a problem in one place. And you hop around from place to place and you realize it's pretty much a problem in every place. Right. And, and as, it's not as somebody bad, comes, but... sorry, sorry. No, no, no. You go. And it's not because we you know we don't like advertisers, it's because we want to do our best when it comes to these tie-ups, when it comes exactly. to these partnerships. And we feel like it feels like we can't give our best because it's you know they didn't get they didn't bother getting to know us or bother getting to sit down with us to work something out that'll work well for our brand or our identity uh so you know it's tough because we know we're capable of so much more and we're capable of of selling for these brands so much better and tying up with these brands so much better but they don't give us a chance to so it's kind of kind of unfortunate you were kind of going off the deep end now uh yeah bitching about the business side of radio. So I'm going to steer it back and, and yeah, talk sure, about sure. Some, some, lighter, uh, some lighter stuff as we wind down here. Um, I want you to tell the story of one of my favorite segments on the radio that I heard from you and our friend Margot, and that is Kupal Fridays. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah, okay. So you want to, you want to, do you have any more follow-up? Uh... No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to let you take the lead from here because uh, that, that was the setup. Okay, so gosh, what year is it? 2015, 2016? Um, 2016. Jazz and I were, I think, it was our second or first or second year into the show. So Jazz and... I thought it was Margo. No, no, no. It was me and Jazz. Okay, my bad. My Margo bad. would never have let that fly. <laughs> but uh, it was me and Jazz, and we were, you know, thinking of new segments and we wanted to do theme days and we were already doing a bunch of things. And so Jazz came to me with the idea, it was like, you know, how about we do like like Kupal Fridays, like we, like we say, I forgot what the original segment was. It was, it was something like, it was basically like a way for us to shoot the shit or like to, to vent bullshit out and, and um, to be Kupal about something. Little did we know. <laughs> Little did we know. Uh, do you want to tell the, I mean, I'm pretty No, sure no, no, I, I'm letting you tell the story. <laughs> this is not my story to tell. So we ran Kupal Fridays like, like, for two weeks, uh, and then our boss got a call from one, from one of his friends, like, and and it was a parent, and then she was like, "I was listening to your station, and you have a segment called Kupal Fridays." My children were listening, and I'm just like, "What? Kupal just means jerk or asshole." And then my boss was like, in the meeting, he actually goes, "No, it means it means smegma," and I'm like. And I look at Jazz and I'm like, Jazz, Jazz, we fucked up. We fucked up bad, dude. Um, and so, Kubo Friday. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we got warned. We had to do a public apology. Uh, to this day, man, we were just like, we had no idea. But that's, see, that's what happens when you leave me and Jazz in a room alone together. Like, that's the kind of stuff that will come out. It's not the same stuff that will come out if you put me and Margo in a room together. But, you know, that's the product of our unique partnership and it's the same thing with other partnerships and i'm pretty sure you can say the same thing man like you've come up with ideas that have been unique to your partnership with for example chris and uh, and, and tracy and another uh, other other ideas were completely unique to your partnerships there in wave and so um it's just an unfortunate product that was not checked that was one of those moments where we had a little too much freedom and we didn't have it run through any uh any filters whoops yeah Koopa friday is probably one of the best stories ever 
on, on radio that I've ever heard. I knew well, I couldn't let you go near Nathan Anastasi. How they were back in the 80s, man. That's nuts. It, it's nuts. Um, <laughs> last few questions before I let you go, because I realize we've been doing this uh, almost an hour and a half now. Yeah. Um, have you have you ever been recognized in public? In tipong, people just know you as Renzo from the radio, Renzo from play. Like, oi, Renzo, you know? Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, it's I'm I'm not gonna be like I'm not gonna lie about it. It feels awesome. Like it, it's super fun to get recognized, and it makes you feel like you're actually being listened to and you're being heard. And and the fact that people are enjoying your work enough to come up to you and to to say that they love your show and their fans, it's always such a big honor. Um, it's only awkward when it happens around friends because they never let me live it down. Like it's have you been recognized in front of friends, Dave? Yeah, I have. it's it sucks because they, they 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 tease you about it the rest of the night. They call you popular, even though like. It happens maybe like for me it maybe happens like twice or thrice a year like that's it like if I, if I go out enough you know what i mean um the most i get recognized are in concerts which is natural because you know we're in radio and so concerts are pretty closely tied to, to radio and so we get yeah. recognized in that front um but yeah um it's it's uh it's it's super fun because uh you get to you get to practice your whole yeah thanks i appreciate it you want a picture or do the whole selfie thing and it's always it's always it's always a self-esteem booster. Uh, there's snow on the live feed, and she says one time she was in cosplay, and then you got asked for a photo at the conve- at the convention, and not her. Yeah, conventions is also a big place where, where I get recognized. Um, no, because like at, before radio, you know, I was I was doing a lot of stuff on Tumblr, and I would post a lot of covers of songs, and I I would say that I I had amassed a bit of a a, a group of people who enjoyed my covers and 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 my work then, and so that kind of got carried on into, into my radio life. And so I would say like 80% of it, I get recognized from people before radio and 20% of it's from radio. So it's, it's always fun. And these people end up becoming my friends too. So it's always super fun. All right, last question before I let you go. What's the best experience you've ever had um, in the booth or behind the mic, whether it's talking to a celebrity or uh, a new guest or just someone who came in with food or like, um, I don't know, some. Uh, somebody just did something special for you. Habang umeerika, what the what was the yeah the best? If you can narrow it down to like one or two, one or two. The first two thousand four, my dad got to interview Mick Foley when WWE came here, and I got to meet meet Mick Foley in that booth, and he was super nice. And there was a portion of the interview where he was talking about like one of his previous matches, and then he was going, um, he like he, I was so close to him, and then he was going. Yeah, it was uh, in that match with me and The Undertaker. Uh, I forgot. Uh, and then from under my breath, I just went as a little kid. I was like, Hell in a Cell match. And then he, <laughs> he turns to me and he goes, yeah, yeah, Hell in a Cell match. And then uh, continues the story. And I'm just like, oh, I, could, I helped McFoley. That was the first one. Second one was when I got to interview um, uh, Matt Healy of the 1975 uh, on the phone and in person because – you know, that's, I loved the 1975 and it was just so much fun to get to interview them. Probably the best part about the, about the job is that you get to do these things that you never thought that you would do even as a fan, which is like interview these personalities. I'm sure you could say the same thing. You've interviewed what half the WWE roster at this point. Oh, you know, I know what you're saying, but we've got to meet so many amazing people who we grew up watching either in wrestling or in basketball or listening to or seeing in the movies. And so 
um, that's probably the best thing about radio. And the second, or, or I guess the number one best thing would be just meeting all these people, all these other radio personalities who, when you, you know, pull back the curtain, you'll see that they're really just normal people that you can get along with. And some of these people have remained my friends for such a long time. You included Jam from, from, uh, from Magic 89.9, uh, Tino from uh, formerly of play. And so I'm just, I'm super thankful for the world and the people that introduced me to. Wow. Um, you know what? I, I can't think of a more positive uh, vibe to end uh, this interview with. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate that you made time for this. It's not like we have anywhere else to be or anything else to do at this. Yeah, can you wrap uh, this, this up? I gotta, I gotta go. I got an appointment after this. Appointment <laughs> yeah, I got places no, to man, be. <laughs> I, I absolutely appreciate it. Um, can, you tell, uh, can you tell our listeners, uh, especially those who will be listening to this on Spotify when the episode drops, where can they find you and uh, where can they listen to you on play? Yeah, sure. Uh, folks, you just listened to the first episode of On Deck with Stan C. I had so much fun. You can follow me over on Twitter. It's at Renzosaurus. Why don't you uh, follow PlayFM as well? It's at 995PlayFM. Uh, what else? That's about it. Twitter, Instagram, at Renzosaurus. Thank you so much, Stan, for having me. Thank you to Podcast Network Asia for, for doing all this. And uh, I'm excited to see future episodes, man. I'm pretty sure like my, my co-workers or even peers in other stations will have so many... Uh, so many more great stories to tell you about radio. Thanks again to Renzo Magnaia for being my first guest on On Deck with Stan C. Now, yeah, I kind of set a bar for myself for my pilot episode, and I'm going to raise that bar a little bit higher because my guest on episode two, which is now available on Spotify, is a trailblazer in FM radio. She was one of the, if not the, first female radio hosts on a sign-on drive-time program in the morning, which was a very big deal, especially when it happened in the 1990s. She's also one half of the iconic pair you most remember from the morning rush on Monster RX 93.1. Delamar Arias is joining me on episode 2 of On Deck with Stan C, so go check that out. In the meantime... Huge thanks to Babyface producer Ryan for putting all of this together. And I'm going to end episode one right here, right now. So on behalf of everybody who's put in the work for On Deck with Stan C, well, this is Stan C saying thank you very much. And I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 